4: This is Dirt and Sprague.
3: I mean, how,
1: how does a
5: tiger get in the bathroom? He almost killed me.
4: Hey, bro, you mind putting on some pants? I find a little weird. I have to ask twice. With Andy Dirt Johnson and Brendan Sprague.
6: Hey, it's a little too early for being that loud. Hey, too late. Oh six hundred. What's the
3: O stand for? Oh my God, it's early.
4: Dirt and Sprague on ten eighty. Hmm.
3: i am gonna do, man?
4: This is very upset. flow so, so we've discussed this. Mornings are for coffee and contemplation. Coffee and contemplation. The Fan. All right, welcome back in.
7: Hour number two, Dirt and Spring on The Fan. Good morning. Happy Thursday. we got our packed old picks. that spread out there on the Twitter. So go check the Twitter, the dot-com of Twitter. And our records are attached to that, all our pics this week, and you can tell us we're morons, or you can uh, go to Spirit Mountain and try to cash in. Uh, I was wondering. I watched a little uh, preseason basketball yesterday. Okay, well the Nets were at the Bucks. Yeah. I mean, do you gotta watch that? How do you not watch that? I mean, come on. Well, Giannis played, and yeah, I mean, it totally counts too, right? Katie, Kyrie, and Ben Simmons <laughs> yeah. played. I mean, and... it's
6: like a real game. You know, counts against the records in the, in the season. The Nets won. Nice, my Nets. Sweet. Yeah, look at that. I was wondering uh, <laughs> after that game uh, after I turned it off. I was wondering. Did if- you watch that over a major league baseball playoff game? You did, didn't you? What time was that game on? Was it on at the same time as the Dodger-Padre game? That was a great game last night. It's a playoff game. What's the matter with They're you? They're not my team. You're scouting your next opponent, potentially. Let's get past Philly first. You're back first. tied wow. 1-1. Look at you. You're back tied 1-1. I saw a
7: ruling yesterday, and I instantly wondered at the end of that Nets game that I— I didn't watch the whole thing. I just watched part of it. But uh, I was wondering, I wonder if Kyrie's going to contribute to Alex Jones' billion-dollar fee that he owes all those parents.
6: Maybe he's been retweeting him, right? Maybe I'll yes. send him a million dollars here.
7: Good friend of yeah. his, and yeah. you know, maybe give him some How money. How does that
6: work? Because there's no chance that guy has that kind of money. No, the sad part about that that Like ruling, they don't ever end up seeing any of
7: it. He was, he was openly on his show bragging about how he's not paying these people. He's yeah. filing for bankruptcy. He's and, hiding stashing all his money oh, away. It's, yeah, it's yeah. that dude, unfortunately. And you know, nobody in power is How is there not a thing like
6: if so. you can't pay a certain amount, you should be
7: locked in jail. Yeah, you shouldn't have a platform and yeah. you shouldn't be selling merchandise and yeah, I, I kinda yeah. am with you on there, but uh, yeah. okay. welcome to the American <laughs> system here that we have going. Uh, we have a lot to get to here in the second hour. Uh, Christian Capel covers Dub. He's going to join us at the bottom. We'll get his thoughts on the Huskies' last couple weeks. He's got a really good piece on their defense. We talked a lot about their defense. He's got some really good notes about the secondary, their real weaknesses, their secondary. There's some information in there. I I got to admit, I, I, I try to watch as many Pac-12 things. I've watched a lot of Husky football. Mm-hmm. Not as in tune with some of the depth chart stuff, and he put some of that in his latest piece. So we'll get Christian's thoughts on this weekend's uh, maybe bounce-back spot against the Arizona Wildcats. Uh, I'm sure at some point we'll get to this Dan Snyder piece on ESPN.com. <laughs> it's basically doing what Dirt, you see. you've been suggesting
6: this, he's holding the NFL hostage with Dirt. I mean, it's the only way he still has a job. It is. Or owns a team. Like, there's nothing else that makes sense. They would have gotten him out of the league a long time ago, and then you see the story and you're like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, this was the classic and cagey vet
7: reporter Dan Van Natta, Don Van Notta. Is it Don or Dan? I think it's Don. I think it's Don, too. But he's he's one of the best in the business, and he just went through this sourcing and killed it. This ESPN.com story about Snyder and why he's still the owner of Washington, despite the NFL not wanting him to be. Um, it's not surprising. It's not at all. No. But we may get to that. Um, and then we've got Ken Barkley at 8 a.m. But I want to start the second hour. We haven't talked much conference realignment stuff. Just... Football season's here. I, I want to talk a lot of football, right? Mm-hmm. This is interesting. So I saw this a couple days ago on, uh, again, that website I mentioned, the twitter.com. The twitter.com. I've been there. And I saw this actually. Somebody, I, I think it was a Duck fan, randomly retweeted this onto our show timeline is where I saw this. And we didn't get to it yesterday. But Rick Newhouse, a good friend of the show, Newhouse, Newhouse we're going to get you. Uh, he was on. He does SiriusXM Pac-12 Radio, which is what makes it hard for us to get him. Is he does his show kind of in the middle of our show? But he was talking on uh, sports radio a couple days ago, and he had this to say Ooh. about what he's heard with the Pac-12 conference and the teams that are still looming in it.
6: Do we have that guy? I don't oh, know. yeah.
7: Sorry, guys. I was editing. What did she call? Oh, no, sorry. No, that's oh, just me. <laughs> no, that, I was editing the podcast. <laughs> that's right. that's Tell right. me what she called the, for. We got new it. Hi- the new Isaac Lowe. Thank sorry. you. Sorry
4: about that. No, no worries. George Kleofkoff is doing everything he can to try to keep it all together, but the Bruins and the Trojans are gone. Uh, there's lots of speculation that there are other teams that are on the uh, Big Ten wish list Uh, I have it from us sources that it's all but done uh, with respect to Washington, Oregon, potentially Stanford, Cal.
7: So that was a clip that circulated. Now, you could instantly hear that and go, well, I saw a thing that said
6: Kevin Warren. Down cold water on it, and he's only focused on US, USC and UCLA. His his quote was he did an interview with a Big Ten network guy. He said, yeah. uh, not something on un, expansion, not something we're aggressively doing right now. Do I think certain conferences may grow through natural evolution? I do. Now, over the period of time is a critical question. I don't know if that's within a year, five years, or seven years. I have said this before, and I will say it
7: again. Do not trust a word a conference commissioner says. I didn't hear anything from Kevin Warren about grabbing usc and ucla nobody did nobody in this industry heard anything about that and then one day in july boom our la schools are leaving the pac 12 so i don't believe in the cold water dumping theory these commissioners are natural liars Mm -hmm. they're good at their jobs Mm -hmm. what i'm wondering is do we trust new heisel sourcing here because look the, the reality is we've got west coast sources And then we've got the Dennis Dodd-Rick Neuheisel sources. Now, I don't know what side Neuheisel kind of leans, if he's hearing from the West Coast people or the Midwest people, but it's basically a source-off. And it's between writers saying this conference is expanding or this conference is not losing their teams. Um, I don't know where people fall on those lines, but I'm curious how you feel about Rick Neuheisel saying he heard it's all but done with the Oregon-Washington and possibly stanford Cal.
6: I don't know what the hell to believe, man. I honestly don't. There's so many people out there saying different things. Do I eventually think that Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal will go to the Big Ten? Yes, I do. But I, I will parrot what Kevin Warren is saying. I don't know if that's within a year, if it's within five years, if it's within 15 years, right? Like I, Eventually, I think we're going to get there. But I also am, am somewhat hesitant to say that it is an imminent thing in college football. And that's for a couple of reasons. I've, I've been trying to stay as as up-to-date on this as I can, although sometimes it's like I want to block it out of my mind and just watch football. I've taken a break for the last few weeks, yeah, man. The, i got to be honest with the you. The general understanding that I have, and this is, again, just reading random reports online, the general understanding that I have is that we, there, there's a couple of lingering issues here. The Big Ten has their television contract in place. If they are to add four more teams, they need a additional television partner to come in to make it worth it financially for the schools because the schools are not going to vote to bring in four more new schools and say, let's lessen our payout. Right? So that's where it's been reported that the big 10 has been working with Amazon. And we've heard the PAC 12 is also involved with Amazon and the big 10 might just swoop in and steal that deal. And they're going to air, you know, Friday night, Amazon games or whatever they're going to do. Saturday night, primetime, Amazon, Amazon, but they need an extra source of revenue um, to distribute uh, distribute it to the four schools that, that come to the conference. Maybe they end up getting that, maybe they don't. That's a big hang-up. The other part of this is you have to remember, and now I know the Big Ten presidents are different than the Pac-12 presidents, but this ultimately does come down to the presidents at the university voting to allow new members to come to their schools, or to their to their conference, excuse me. And do they do they want to kill off the Pac-12? Like, is there des- the desire from the Big Ten presidents to put the knife in the back of the Pac-12. Because if you add Oregon, Stanford, Washington, and Cal, it's over. The Pac-12 is going to cease to exist. The six other schools would go to the Big 12, and then who knows what happens with Washington State and Oregon State. The conference is done once that officially happens. So those, to me, are the lingering issues. Again, I think we're eventually going to get there. I'm a little more hesitant, though, to think that it's in the short term. Like, if you ask me my prediction right now, I would tell you – I think the Pac-12 sticks together for another four or five years. You sign a short grant of rights deal. You see where the landscape of college football is in five years from now, and then that's more likely when you are going to make. Do oh, you vote. think Oregon's going to sign a grant of rights deal? I do. Yeah, really, I do. I don't know why, but mm, I do. That's interesting. I just I don't think there is an appetite right now to kill off a major conference, and this would kill off a major conference. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I, I don't. I, it's tough. I've taken a real break from this stuff. I have.
7: I've really separated. It's lingered in the back of my mind all year. I just, I I can't care about this for the last, like, when did this start? July, right, is when USC, UCLA said they were going to go to uh, the Big Ten. And we've talked a lot about it in the summer when it was a slow time and we didn't have football. But we talked on the show, once football season got here, I I just didn't want to care. I, and honestly, I, I'd i really tuned most of this out. Again, I don't trust commissioners. No, you shouldn't. Uh, short-term, long-term, I don't even know what that definition is for everybody. Maybe for you it's long-term, five years. I think it's
6: a little further than five
7: years down the road. Okay, maybe, but but for some people, that's short-term. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, Different yeah. definitions for different people. I don't even know what the definitions are anymore. And the amount of sourcing that kind of like contradicts one another Is also that helps me kind of tune it out of just like okay wait so your sourcing's the one to be trusted no oh no your sourcing's the one to be trusted
6: everybody's got the right sources when in reality when this initially broke nobody had the sources
7: nobody nobody had this USC UCLA stuff going that's why I tend to just kind of this is why it falls to the wayside for me like if something comes up this new ISO clip comes up new ISO's not a reporter. But he's a radio host, former college football coach in this conference. And so, like, I'm, I am I kind of perk up a little bit if New Neuheisel's saying that. Also, all but done, I mean, it's not done. But all but done indicates that, and remember, there was a report, what was that, three weeks ago or so, that Oregon and UW had met with the Big Ten. Yeah, they right? That, to him, yeah. They're, they're, whether that was Phil Knight, or I can't remember who it was, but some representative of the universities had met with the Big Ten. I didn't forget that. So if is saying it's all but done, that tells me that they've basically worked out the major details and that the small fine print would get worked out if there was an extension... Of big Tw- Big Ten revenue via what you said, the the Amazon
6: stream that they're reportedly trying to get. That to me is the that's the deal breaker. If they get that Amazon deal, and Amazon's willing to pay that much money to add the four remaining Pac twelve schools that they want, to, to lose then no, it's a done deal. Yeah, to lose no. But more But you're not going to not add an right. extra uh, uh, you know television partner or broadcast partner, and then not uh, just add four more schools because then all those schools are voting to say, yeah, let's go from making seventy million dollars next year to sixty million. Like, why am I taking ten million dollars out of my pocket? To not get a fertile recruiting ground and get, you know, just, just so USC and UCLA have a closer team to play in volleyball, like that's not going to be worth it, I think, for those presidents. Well, you are a lot more to get to today. Christian Capel at the bottom of the hour. I want to talk about the Huskies a little bit. They got
7: a big game this weekend at home. Uh, where are we at on the Huskies? Jordan, you said it earlier. You're not a buyer. Where's everybody else at on the Washington Huskies this season after the last couple weeks? We'll talk about them next on The Fan.
5: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
0: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
5: Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals. Deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or thirty-six thousand miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in; these deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get zero percent APR or up to fifteen hundred bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
2: Me
1: ago, the storm. I
4: know this is Dirt and Sprague on 1080, The Fan.
7: Alright, we'll find out where Ken Barkley's eyeing this weekend. Tennessee-Bama. Uh, I got one college game that I love. Might spring the line on it. And then get his thoughts on the NFL. Uh, Will it be three straight weeks of Ken Barkley telling us to bet the commies?
6: We'll find out. I'm going to throw the over at him. See how he feels. Our lock of the night. Over 38. (laughs) He's probably going to poo-poo all over it. (laughs) Um, Christian
7: Capel coming up at the bottom of the hour. He covers the Huskies. I I want to talk about them. I don't know if we're going to get to them tomorrow. Maybe we will. Yeah. But they play Arizona. And they're 14-point favorites. We picked that in Pac-12 picks against the spread. They've really struggled the last two weeks. They have. That final at UCLA is not indicative of what that game was. It was largely a, blow, a boring blowout that UW came back late and cut the lead to eight. And then last week, and I loved them in the spot, I just, you know, ASU and even without Herm, I'm just like, they can, they can move the ball on ASU, and no, they, they moved the ball, but their defense is giving up a ton of points and a ton of yards, and a backup quarterback just gashed them. And so they've back, back weeks of letdown spots here. They go back home. They're undefeated at home. You know, I was a little surprised by this, but maybe I shouldn't have been. You know Oregon is worse than them in third-down defense? It's because of Georgia. But that's, I guess that's crazy. I, I mean, did,
6: Georgia was legitimately like 10 for 10 on third-downs. Down, third I, I don't think they got a third-down stop <laughs> the, the entire Huskies game. Huskies are giving up like 19 of 27
7: third-downs. So here's
6: the thing. When you look at some of Washington's defensive metrics, they're not that bad. Because they were inflated early in the because season by wins over teams. Portland State yeah. and Kent State and all that. When you look at, if you just were able to break down their defensive numbers the last two weeks, and on Oregon's case, if you flip it, if you just take the first game out, yeah, Georgia was nine of ten on third down in that yeah, game. That's re- so ridiculous. right. So if you look at the total number of attempts and total number of of. Successful attempts on third downs take out nine successful ones in ten total attempts, and I guarantee you the numbers come down a little bit. That's, you know,
7: it's, it's misleading stats are funny that way, aren't they? When we watched that Oregon-Arizona game last weekend, and I, did I tell you today, you know who the number three team in pass defense is? It's Arizona. Because nobody needs to throw the football against Arizona. You run yeah. for 400 yards on
6: them. Yeah, and they also played Colorado in their schedule. Like yeah. They've had some really bad teams, and that's why their numbers are not as, as bad as they probably should be. Arizona and Colorado are in the top five pass defense in the in the conference. Yeah, And that tells me all I need to
7: know about that stat is, like, some of it can be telling, but most of it is your rush defense is probably at the bottom. Oh, yeah. look at that. The conference standings for rush defense, there they are. Yeah. What do you make of the Huskies? Because I, I said this a couple weeks ago, and, you know, your credit, you didn't completely laugh me out the building, but they got off to a great start. They did. And we were kind of amped for that UCLA game, and then they got blown out. Where are you at on the dogs? Because a couple weeks I suggested, hey, maybe they'd be 9 to do going into that Oregon game. That's a long ways away now. Now you're kind of wondering who are they going to be week to week, given what we've seen the last two weeks. Where are you at on the dogs?
6: Uh, I am at where I'm at on the dogs is they are one of the best offenses in the conference, and I still believe that. I, I know that the UCLA game didn't go great, but offense was not the reason that they lost this game to Arizona State on Saturday. And they had one fluky play where Penix threw it off his offensive lineman's helmet, and it was returned for a touchdown. Outside of that, they were pretty damn good, and Penix got got beat up, and they still were putting together drives and hanging around late in that game. Their offense is good, and it's going to keep them in every single game. The tough part that I'm having is wrapping my mind around a Washington team that is great offensively and horrific defensively. Like I haven't got there yet mentally. It's really weird to see because we're so used to watching the end of Chris Peterson and Hell, even under Jimmy Lake, they were they were okay defensively. That's been the strength of Washington now. All the great defensive backs that have come through there, right? Like, that's what I'm used to seeing with the Huskies. So it's almost a bizarro world Washington team. They're not there yet. They're not ready yet. When you get torched by a backup quarterback, that tells me all I need to know. The good news for them is the schedule's not that tough down the road. I mean, they get Arizona this weekend – you got Cal. I don't know if you could be Cal or not. I don't know what to make of Cal. But then you get Oregon State at home. Like those are three games that are winnable for them. Will they win them all? I don't know. But they are winna- in the winnable category for Washington. Going on the road to Eugene is going to be tough for them because of how bad their defense is. And they but also don't look like a traveling show. They right don't look now. like a traveling team. But then you get Colorado the week after that, right? So there's like four winnable games on their schedule, and right now Washington's four and two. And I think we all have to remind ourselves: what did we say coming into the year? You get to eight wins. You get to seven wins. That's a big step in the right direction. I think Kalen DeBoer is a good coach. The only major question I have, there's two of them right now about Washington. One, where do you go defensively? Is this a coordinator problem or a talent problem? How do you improve that? Because their defense is terrible. The other part of it is, and I know one of these things is going to be removed from the equation in the short term. The other one will not. How can you stack up recruiting-wise against the best in this conference? Like right now when you look at the recruiting class, and that's where Washington has to go to get back to where they want to go. They're the number three class in the conference. You'd say, oh, that's not bad, right? When you compare the number of four- and five-star kids signed by Oregon and USC compared to Washington, it is a galaxy difference. Washington is the third-ranked recruiting class in the conference. They have four players committed who are four-star kids. That's it, no five-stars. Oregon, when you compare uh, combine their four and five stars, they're at twelve. So that's twelve to four. What is their five star total? They though? have two five stars yeah. and ten four stars. Five stars
7: rarely are hitting this conference. Oh, they're not.
6: Yeah, yeah, but USC only has two five stars as well, and they have eight four stars. So they're at ten. So there's a ten to four gap right there. Thirty percent of five stars are going to Ohio State, Georgia, and Bama. Oh yeah, thirty yeah. percent. One of Oregon's five stars was a reevaluated. Their wide receiver, Jerry and Dickey, is a reevaluated five star. When he originally committed, he was only a four star kid. Yeah. And then he blossomed this year.
7: Uh, let's get to Christian Capel. One stat to keep a note. And I, I want Christian to kind of go through this because he did a really good article on them and, and their pass defense. Because you're right. The numbers do not tell the story. The last couple weeks <laughs> are the story for the Washington Huskies. They are awful in third and medium. They're the worst yeah. in the conference with passes in third and medium situations defensively. They're allowing offenses to complete 69. Nice. Nice. 0.6% of their passes on third down which ranks them 126th nationally. The only school worse on third and medium in passing downs, North Carolina. And so this is just... (laughs) It's not good. It's not good at all. What is the reason for their defensive woes? And who are the Washington Huskies? Christian Capel of The Athletic covers them. He joins us coming up next for the Daily Ticker. Don't forget, Ken Barkley at 8. A lot more to get into, but first, Jordan with a sports update.
5: Love the flexibility of working in all sorts of places?
4: In this wide world of sports, some stories can slip through the cracks. Now, before we do this, let's go over the ground rules. Pelican Brewing presents The Daily Ticker, where Dirt and Spray visit with the insiders that are covering the stories you've heard about and some you haven't. How'd you do that? Actually, I'm not even mad. It's amazing. The Daily Ticker with Dirt and Spray is brought to you by Pelican Brewing, born at the beach.
6: All right, Daily Ticker Time here on a Thursday. Brought to you in the fan by Pelican Brewing Company, born to the beach online at pelicanbrewing.com. We were just talking about the Huskies. They're looking for a bounce-back effort this weekend against Arizona. And joining us now to talk about Washington in that game is our good friend Christian Capel of The Athletic. At Christian Capel on Twitter, he covers the Huskies for The Athletic. You can check out his podcast, Say Who, Say Pod. Christian, good morning to you, man. I just uh, you, you had a piece out. We, we were reading it and going over here in our last segment about Washington's defense. Are are you surprised at what you've seen the last two weeks? Like, I know it's always hard early in the season when you're not sure how stiff the competition is, but Washington felt like they were steamrolling people, and now back-to-back weeks. It's been really ugly for them, especially on the defensive side of the ball.
8: Yeah, I mean, I'm a little bit surprised. I'm surprised that they've given up 40-plus. Um, definitely surprised they gave up 45 to Arizona State, especially with their their backup quarterback playing most of that game. I probably wouldn't have guessed that. But, you know, this was a defense that had a lot of questions to answer, even coming into the season. Um, I think most people kind of generally accepted that, you know, with the way that the personnel turned over, um, the guys they lost to the draft, this wasn't necessarily going to be another like reloading year for them, particularly in the secondary. They had a bunch of guys um, who were going to start for them in the secondary who were kind of unproven or had played some, but were, you know, really needing to take that next step um, to kind of maintain that standard that they'd had back there. Mm -hmm. And then a bunch of those guys are banged up. So I think they had questions to answer back there to begin with. And now you're, you're depending on guys who haven't played that much before some guys who are playing through injuries. I think they played 11 different DBS against Arizona state and, you know, their co-defensive coordinator, Chuck Morrell on Monday was, and I ask, you know, hey, what was the mindset on, on rotating so many guys? And he said necessity. So I think they're trying to find the right combination with some guys out. They're trying to get some guys healthy. And then I, I just, I don't think that they they quite have the level of, of personnel that the Washington fans have become accustomed to in the first place.
7: Well, and how big is this weekend's game for them? Not just because they, they need to get off the schneid here, Christian, but you come back home, you get beat up a little bit last week and by a backup quarterback, you don't play a great game against UCLA. I'm I'm curious, I, I, reading your piece, i I, I got to admit, I, I watch a lot of Husky football, but following somebody like you, you get the in-depth knowledge of there are three different dudes just at one quarterback cornerback position because of injury, and, and, and they lost some guys, as you mentioned, to the draft. I'm curious how important you think this game is for them just from a confidence standpoint, right? That defense statistically doesn't look, but the last couple of weeks we've seen kind of what it is. How big is this, this for them to get off the mat and to get back to maybe who they were a little bit the first four weeks of the season?
8: Yeah, it's a really big deal, and I, I do think that confidence piece of it is maybe a little bit underrated. That when you have guys who don't have that that past history of success to fall back on, and you know don't have a season or two seasons of, hey, you know those those last couple of weeks didn't go the way that you wanted it to, but you know I, I know what kind of player I am. I know what I'm capable of. I know what this looks like. You know they got a bunch of guys who are trying to do that for the first time, and you know, Arizona is. Going to absolutely stress them through the air. You know, Jaden Delora is a is a playmaker at quarterback, and if you can get some pressure on him, and, and get him, um, and get him trying to freelance a little bit, he's somebody that, that you could maybe force to make a mistake or two. But he's also a really good player with some really good receivers. Jacob Cowing is going to be really hard for them to cover. Mm-hmm. McMillan's going to be really hard for them to cover. Dorian Singer is is third in the conference in catches, so. Um, you know, Arizona obviously is, is still a really flawed team, and I'm sure offensively Washington is looking at that game as a, a big opportunity to put up a bunch of points. But um, Arizona's got to be watching the film from last week and, you know, feeling like it can move the ball too. So I, I do think it's, you know, coming back home after a couple games on the road, you know, maybe some, some questions starting to seep in about what's this defense ceiling and what are they really capable of. This is a really big week to, you know, if you win, you can get to five and two, you can kind of you can kind of correct the vibes a little bit. You can get some of those young guys feeling a little bit better about themselves.
6: Hmm. We're talking about Christian Capel of the Athletic covers the Huskies at Christian Capel on Twitter. I'm I'm curious, you know, it's we always have a different opinion of of what kind of football we like to see. Do do you think Washington fan if you would have told them before the season they would have traded this offense for the defense that we've come to know about Washington. Like I, I'm having a hard time wrapping my brain around watching a Husky team that is really hard to stop offensively, but they can't stop anybody. Cause I'm so used to seeing them winning games like 17 to 10. Cause their defense is great, but then they got a offense from 1987. Uh, do you think Husky fans are cool with that trade off of like, Hey, we can sling it around on everybody, but now we can't really stop anybody.
8: It might be one that like in the, in the, 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 dead feeling of the off season when nothing's going on. And you say, Hey, if you can guarantee right now, the offense will be night and day way better, but the defense is going to take a big step back. It might be something that some people would agree to, uh, when it's not right in front of them. No, you know, just knowing how frustrating last year was from that perspective. But, um, I, I don't see a whole lot of happy people on Twitter when these <laughs> games are going on, <laughs> you know, I, I I think uh I I think the defense is kinda of something that whether people took it for granted or not, I, I don't know, but it did kinda of, you know under Chris Peterson and even Jimmy Lake, you could count on them being really tough against the pass. And you know they had some issues defending the run the last couple of years and people were frustrated by that. But you know, for the most part this was gonna be a, a top twenty five, top twenty team nationally in, in scoring defense and um so I, I think I think people would have been pretty Pretty surprised, and, and I don't know if they they would have lined up for taking you know forty five points, giving up forty five points against Arizona State.
7: You know, I, I think Christian. Most people would tell you, despite what we don't know what their final record's going to be, I, I think it's fairly obvious they've already matched their win total from a year ago, and I'd imagine they're going to surpass it this week. And that's just my thought. Um, DeBoer better a head coach for everybody, I would assume, but I'm also curious, just from your perspective. What stands out about him? You know, six weeks in, six games in, four and two. Big one this weekend for them. What stands out about about Kalen DeBoer that maybe you've learned throughout this process of covering them?
8: Yeah, I would just say, and this has been driven home the last couple of weeks because it's really been the you know the first the first sort of hint of of negativity around the program um, during his tenure. Is that he's just, he's the same guy, um, and I think that's what you want that you know he's been. He's been through a lot of, he's experienced a lot of success. He's won a lot as a head coach. He really hasn't lost that many games overall. I and mean, when you look at his, he was 67 and three at the NAI level, NAIA level. And then um, a couple of pretty good seasons there at Fresno state. And so, you yeah, know, he's, he's not someone, he doesn't, doesn't appear to have changed much um, after, after losses. I know players have talked about that too, that he came in, you know, for their first team meeting after the UCLA game and, was just kind of the same guy, and you know, talked about hey, you know, they they, they talk about their one and zero mentality, going one and zero in everything they do, and you know, I think you can roll your eyes a little bit about uh, at that, and, and it sounds a little bit cliche, and it's the kind of thing that you know every college football coach is going to harp on, but um, he he does seem to be a a pretty consistent, even keel presence, and um, I think that's kind of kind of helps guys buy into everything that they're they're trying to teach them.
6: Mm. Yeah, we're talking about Christian Capo of The Athletic. When you look at, you know, we talked about this earlier, Christian. I'm curious if there's any dialogue on it up there. Rick Neuheisel had some comments on a radio show. I can't remember where it was, but he basically said that Oregon and Washington, it was a done deal that they were going to to the Big Ten and likely Stanford and Cal. Is that something that people are still closely following, paying attention to? Are you hearing anything? Is it back burner? Like, what's been the reaction and talk about the expansion stuff so far during the season?
8: Yeah, I mean, that that stuff is always. It's always there. I think it's maybe pushed a little bit more to the back burner since, you know, that first kind of week or two after USC and UCLA left and it became apparent that, okay, whatever the next dominoes are, it's not like imminent, imminent. It's not going to happen right now. It's not going to happen before the season. I think once the season started, you know, most people's focus has been on the games. But, yeah, I mean, you can't have a conversation – about the future, or you know, oh, the next time they play this team, or the next time they play that team, without thinking. Well, it, you know, that that's if the Pac-12 is still around. You know, that's if that's if this conference still exists. It's still that's if this conference still exists in its current form. So, you know, it, it's it's driven home too. They go and play at a UCLA, and that's the last time they're going to play at UCLA as a as a Pac-12 team, which is kind of weird. So, there's little reminders here and there, and yeah, I mean, I think I think the season takes precedent, and the games take precedent. But that stuff is, is absolutely still on everybody's mind.
7: Yeah, Christian, I, I'll ask you this, I guess, uh, halfway point of the season. How many wins do you think this team will have? I know people have had to recalibrate how they feel, but how many wins do you think the Huskies are going to have if you were to guess right now?
8: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it kind of depends on, on who they can get back defensively and, and when. I, I called it 7-5 and five before the season. Um, I don't know that I've seen anything to make me feel like it'll be worse than that necessarily. Um, that could change if, on Saturday if they, if they go out and, you know, there's, there's no defensive improvement and it's just, it's just obvious that, you know, they're not going to be able to stop anybody. That might change some things. But um, I, I still think that the, the rock bottom floor is absolutely 6 so I'd be surprised if they don't win seven and if they can make some adjustments defensively get some guys back figure some things out i think they still got a shot to win a couple more than that
6: yeah you know they're guaranteed to get five because you got colorado on the schedule at some point <laughs> right It's an automatic win for everybody christian cable covers Huskies for the athletic go check out the say who say potty washington football uh podcast at christian cable on twitter we always appreciate the time man thanks for it down here in portland
8: all right, thank you guys.
6: There you go, Christian Capel of the Athletics. So the Huskies, I mean, look, they're four and two. I, I think it, it's, I think they can get eight and four. I'm I think they can too. It. I mean, you can win this weekend. This this is kind of similar to Oregon State, where you're going to go for them, like, yeah. Although Oregon State's playing a much tougher opponent. Don't get me wrong there. But just on the season-long expectations, if you win this weekend, if you find a way to lose Arizona, then you're in a world of hurt because then it's not a guarantee that you beat Cal. You're probably not going to beat Oregon. Washington State's not going to be easy. You win this weekend. You got Colorado. There's a bowl game right there, and then you could get two more at some point down the
7: line. I think you beat arizona Cal or Arizona, excuse me, Colorado. There's six. Cal, I would lean you, dub but that is a road game, and it's a night game, and You know, you could probably see Jade not if he's healthy, kind of running randomly, but I kind of lean you dub there. So there's seven, and then you kind of play the game of will they get the the Beavers at home? Will they go to Pullman and win again? They're an upset in their
6: form, yeah. Right.
7: And they could maybe get to eight. Oregon's the tough one because, again, they just haven't shown that they're a great road team yet. I'd
6: take the over in that game. I think they could put up a lot of points on Oregon, but do I, you trust yes. their
7: defense to get enough stops in that game? And I think that's the tough part for them. Oregon's secondary is vulnerable, but yes. Washington's defense in general has just not been good.
6: Yeah, let's get into the baseball playoffs. I want to talk a little, uh, little about those. Ken Barkley will join us coming up top of the hour. We'll get to this Dan Snyder piece in the final hour. It's pretty messed up. We're reading through it during the show this morning. Uh, but, Mariner fan, how you feeling? Let us know. They play game two. We'll recap the games from yesterday. Uh, last night and uh, that is next morning crunch on the fam.
0: as we turn the corner into the new year a lot of people are looking to get healthier that includes hero bread who have just launched their new recipe using heart healthy olive oil hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs five to eleven grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving made with natural ingredients
2: And also, if you've ever wondered if you can pull off cowboy boots, which is something that I was thinking, you should pull on a pair of Tecovas and you'll see. Just do a quick search for Tacovas on social media and you'll see how adorably styled these boots can be. Visit Tacovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S dot com and point your toes west.
7: I'm
5: Tony Kornheiser. This is my show. My friends come on and you know them. We talk about the sports you care about, basketball now, golf, and the metronome of your life, baseball. Whether it's opening day, the
7: big tournament, or one of the majors, we have the best to preview it and break down just what happened. And let's not forget the important stuff, the amount of daylight where I live, the importance of speedies, and the rankings of beach-style pizza. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Pour the milk. Looks like me and Vincent
4: caught you boys at breakfast. Did you have it? part of a nutritious breakfast hamburgers hamburgers the cornerstone of any nutritious breakfast. it's time for the morning crunch a look at the tastiest topics in sports brought to you by crunch fitness as low as 9.95 per month no hassle no pressure no gimmicks and
6: no judgments and hey, the morning crunch brought to you in the fan by our good friends at Crunch Fitness, as low as nine ninety nine a month. Locations in Beaverton, Aloha Division Center, and Vancouver. Go check them out, crunch.com. I was out at the glorious House of Gaines yesterday. Uh, after the show, we had some more baseball playoffs yesterday. Bob, your team won. How you feeling? You feeling better? Uh, feeling better. Okay.
7: Yeah. Feeling feeling good. It wasn't like they went out there and destroyed the Phillies. That was but a tight game. That was a good game. Well, great pitchers duel. Kyle Wright was dialed. He was, you know, in his zone. And uh, anytime you can beat a Wheeler and then they got Anola coming up, anytime you can beat one of those guys, you feel good about it. Some good defensive plays were made by Riley late. Dansby had one too. So I just, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling
6: a little better. Okay. One and one. You're always like, Deep breath. we got to win. The rust is gone. You don't have to win three in a row. No. Go into Philly. No. Don't need that. I did feel kind of bad for Wheeler because he was cruising, and then he hit Acuna. Yeah. And it totally threw him off his game. The Braves ended up scoring three in that inning. Have, have they said anything on Acuna? Is he okay? I think he's okay. Look yeah. like he broke his elbow. He, well, couldn't he was running like he couldn't even move his arm, man. I'm always worried about old Ronald because uh, well, Ronald. He's, he's been a little fragile, a little fragile. Ronald. Ronald's a great name. Great name. Fantastic. Acuna. Acuna. We need more Ronalds out there. And then the nightcap yesterday was uh, Padres and Dodgers. And this was a good game for those who stayed up and watched it. It wasn't that late. I think it got over at like nine fifteen. Uh Good back-and-forth game. The Padres bounce back. And I <laughs> one of my favorite traditions of uh, October baseball is the pucker factor that kicks in for Dodger fan For Clayton Kershaw? Because I guarantee you it's there <laughs> right now. They don't have an ace. I mean, Urias is a, a great pitcher. yeah, But Walker Bueller being out, you got to go to Kershaw in Game 2. And He's had a good year. He's just up there in age, and we know the history's there in the postseason for him. Yep. He gives up a couple of runs. He actually did a good job to not let that thing get out of hand because the Padres had a lot of chances in the third, fourth, fifth inning, and it was still three three. I think when he left, and then the Padres got a got a big insurance run late. Dodgers tried to fight, had the bases loaded in the seventh, but the pucker factor is there, uh, no doubt. So you got a one one series in Atlanta, Philly, a one one series in L A. and San Diego, and then today we go back to the American League, and I'll ask you, Jordan. How you feeling? You feeling okay? Hey,
7: I don't know. I, I like that Castillo's on the bump. I think that that's going to give him a good chance. I mean, I, I guess I could just tell everybody, I, I feel like i got a ripped calf and a, and a branch of my butt. i just not feeling that <laughs> confident as a Mariners fan this morning. But I like the pitching matchup. For Seattle's favor, for sure. A branch up your <laughs> butt. That's got to be an awful feeling. Uh, well, it, it, welcome to being a Seattle Mariners fan for 20 years and then watching them get walked off in the LDS in Game 1 and injuring
6: yourself. What are their numbers on the year? Have they like, fared well against Framber Valdez? Um, that's actually something. I think that they're uh, like
7: 500 against him. I'm trying to check that right now. Okay, I
6: just so I pulled up his game log. I don't think they fare well
7: against anybody in Houston. Come on, the first true.
6: two games that popped up, they scored three runs in both of them. They won one of them and lost one of them. I think the way Castillo's playing, that's it. right? So they now. played him twice. In both games, they gave up. He gave up three runs in six innings and seven innings. They won one game, eight to five. Lost the other one, five to four.
7: If you come back to Seattle, one one, that's all you're looking for. That I mean, talk about it. Rockin. T-Mobile Park is going to be going insane if they come back tied one. Now, is it going to hurt a little bit knowing you should be coming back home to maybe sweep in game three? Absolutely. But if you come back tied, like that's what you're after. It doesn't matter if you lose game one in heartbreaking fashion. If you win game two, you did exactly what you're supposed to do as a road team. Get a split, come back home, take care of business, and you'd have a chance coming up this weekend to beat the Houston Astros in a series. You would. At home. The ALCS. You'd
6: have a chance to close it out at home.
7: Like, that's, you can't ask for more. (laughs) And so I think you should feel good about Castillo on the bump. It's it's always a little nerve-wracking, especially when you lose a game one. Like, my Bravos lost game one. Max Fried on the bump did not play well. Nope. But if you can get the next game, it changes everything for you. So hopefully today, Luis Castillo pulls out, hand by hand, that branch out of your butt.
6: It is, it is, I appreciate that. It is funny how different the teams, like the Braves, feel different than the Dodgers today. I know that sounds kind of funny, but a lot of it just has to do with the momentum you're taking into going 100%. on the road. Like yes. you, the Braves are like, all right, we're back. You know, all right. bad game one, we settle back in. The Dodgers are like, oh, we got to go to San Diego. We just lost. Now the Padres are rolling. And the big thing for San Diego too is the way Josh Hader's been throwing. Because he, for those that didn't follow, his end of Milwaukee before the trade deadline and start in San Diego, he couldn't pitch. Wasn't great. Like he was one of the worst pitchers in all of baseball. And they used a lot of assets to go get him to be this lockdown guy at the back end of their bullpen. And there were a couple of moments last night where he's like walking guys. He gave up a ball off the wall to Freddie Freeman. You're like, and then he got out of it. And he's throwing 98 again and he's striking guys out. So they feel like they found their closer. You want the parlay today? I'll give you the parlay. Is it Guardians Mariners or Guardians Guardians Mariners is the parlay today. That's Beaver the play. Beavers on the mound. Beavers on the mound. Yeah. Um. It-
7: Baby, baby. And to answer your guys' question really quick about Valdez, one and know against the Mariners this year, seven innings each outing, three runs given up. One of those was considered a quality start both in July. So eh, That's a long time ago. Long time, you got time a be- ago. You got the better pitcher here. Long time ago. I think you're hitting on something, though, if you're the home team. Because the road team, I don't think it matters for the road team. The road team just gets a split inning. You just want a split. That's all you want. It doesn't matter when it happens. Ro- uh, home team, I think you're on to something here. Is it better as a home team and a fan? to win game two as a home team if you lost game one, or to win game one and be okay with a game two
6: loss. I think you want a little momentum, right, going right into the road? It's stupid. I don't know how much momentum carries, but mentally I'm thinking to myself, I feel better winning game two than I do winning game one. I'm way too lazy to look into the history (laughs) to see
7: if the home team that wins game two what the odds are that says they'll win the series versus the team who loses game two. And then heads on the road tied one one. It is
6: like somebody, uh, one of our P1 section in primetime was doing a list of the biggest negative differences between regular season and postseason ERA all time in baseball, and Clayton Kershaw's number one.
7: Which is unfortunate.
6: It's unfortunate. It's, I mean, It's also not surprising, right? I mean, his his career ERA in the regular season I mean, how many years has he even had an ERA over three as a oh. as a starting pitcher in baseball, right? <laughs> so it's hard to do it's hard to duplicate what he's done there. But if they're going to win it this year with Walker Buehler being out, you need you need Clayton Kershaw to be good.
7: I would be curious to follow that up, not that his ERA hasn't jumped, but more what's the run support been for him? That's been a problem. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, And I, I think that's the one thing that doesn't get talked about nearly enough is because we like to make fun of athletes once in a while, especially great ones who don't perform at the same level. I'd be curious to know what run support average has been for him
6: in the postseason
7: since his ERA has jumped.
6: I, uh, that I don't know. Last night was a, it was a back and forth game. I mean, he gave up one in the first. They got it right back and were tied. They took the lead in the second. So you are like, all right, feeling good. Then he gave up two in the third. And so it just was a an ebb and flow, back and forth game. Some great defensive plays, some bad defensive plays as well. For uh, Trey Turner had a really rough night at shortstop. But the baseball players forgettable, man.
7: I I think the we'll see. I am not getting ahead of myself here. That is the
6: first divisional round win for the San Diego Padres in sixteen years. Really, first divisional round win. They who, obviously won some all card games, but
7: yeah. Who did they beat 16 years ago? Because I was going to go back to when they lost to the Yankees.
6: I just don't associate the Padres with a whole lot of playoff stuff. What would do the math? What's 16 years ago? It'd be 2004 or five, right? Yeah, I have no recollection of that playoff team. Uh, they were in the NLDS in 2006. Okay, and they played the Cardinals. Ah, they played the Cardinals back to back years in 05 and 06. In 05, they got swept. They won the NLS. Got swept by the Cardinals, and then in 06, they won the NL West again and lost in four games. It's pretty wild in the to think round. that
7: you were in high school the last time that happened.
6: Yeah, 2006. I was a junior senior in high school. That's wild to me. Senior, junior, junior in high school. You like graduated it. 07? 07, yeah. Mm. So there you go, baseball playoffs. Mariners, hey, take a deep breath. You're going to win today. Lock in the parlay, underdog parlay. Bark, bark, bark. Give me the Mariners. Give me the Guardians. I'll look up those odds coming into the final hour okay. after Ken. I'll ask Ken about that. See, if He was betting on hockey last night. Oh, God. He said he won all of his hockey bets. Is he? What if hockey was his best sport? It could be. Let's figure it out. Ken Barkley, our good buddy, he's going to kick out the final hour. We'll get to this Dan Snyder piece. A little bit more on the doozy that is Thursday Night Football. Yes, we're guaranteed a great game, folks. It's going to happen. We got the Commanders, and we got the Bears. It's a loaded of final hour. Don't go anywhere. Dirt and spray on 1080 to the fan.
0: Why? Why?
1: If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Over? Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G
3: payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.
5: Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here?
0: Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived.
5: Spring.